Let's pray together before we begin. You who are the breath in our lungs, we rejoice at your nearness to us. As we study your word, as we reflect together on what your coming means for us, we ask that you would illuminate that which is true, that that which is false might be far from us, and that we might rejoice together in the signs of your coming. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Today is the first week of Advent, and uh, we're focusing on waiting, as we always do. Christmas, of course, is celebrated at the end of the Advent season, which is specific to Jesus's birth. And before that, we have a lot of unknowns. When is he coming? What is he going to be like? What does it mean for us? And before that waiting can happen, however, there must be an alert that we ought to be waiting. Otherwise, it doesn't count as a wait. It's just us spending time doing nothing. So something has to alert us that there is something else yet to come. How can we wait if we don't have this knowledge? And there are lots of ways that we could be made aware of this anticipated future. It might be through an announcement, a phone call, a prophecy, a letter. One way that the scriptures often talk about the future is through signs. Now, when I think of signs, the first thing I think about is uh, a street sign. And the second thing maybe is sign language. But the purpose of any sign is to communicate something. And when the Bible speaks about signs, the purpose is a signal. Whether this is a positive warning, a positive promise, or a negative Warning, the sign is a flag. These signs can be physical or non-physical. They can be natural or supernatural. Signs come before something big, something worth waiting for. And we're going to read today from some of the signs that Jesus talks about in Luke 21. We're going to start in verse 25. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming unto the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place, to stand before the Son of Man. 
As I was reading this, you may have noticed that this is not a story from before Jesus is born. In fact, Jesus is the one speaking and teaching in this passage. So why do we find ourselves here at the start of Advent? Our text for the next few weeks will work in reverse chronological order when we think about Jesus' birth. So we start here at the end of Jesus' ministry and work our way backwards in time. When Jesus tells of these coming difficulties in the text, he's speaking about a specific event that happened in their future and in our very distant past. Uh, However, Jesus is also speaking about the ways that God has come already to redeem the people through Jesus's presence and the ways that Jesus will come to redeem and restore all things. And all of these things, all of these truths, can be true at the same time, because the story of God's presence and God's redemption does not happen just once. This specific passage is about an immediate future, but we know it also speaks of his first coming as a baby in Bethlehem and of his second coming, one we have not yet seen. By telling us how to prepare for, how to notice, and how to react to the signs of God's coming, Jesus also reflects on the signs surrounding his birth. Time here is less important than the message of the signs. They signal, God is coming. God is here. When in this passage Jesus speaks of threats and dangers that were to come, we see some instructions for how listeners should anticipate and wait for that redemption. It is this discussion of signs and waiting, Jesus' coming and return, that we're going to find power in this morning. The first thing that happens, of course, is that a sign appears. The text tells us there are signs in the sun and the stars. Then distress in the dirt and dust of the earth. In fact, people are fainting in fear and foreboding of the future. The sea itself is storming, swirling, stirred up. This last image is particularly frightening to the listeners because the sea was the image of chaos itself, unpredictable, unknowable. And now to see the ocean itself in disarray is to bring about the expectations of the end of the world. Chaos is in chaos. And we see this kind of confirmed in the next portion when it says that its rulers and powers of heaven will be shaken. This is kind of a continuation of the first thought, the idea of the sun and the stars in being signs. Jesus' way of communicating that the destruction that is coming is not exclusively an earthbound problem. All of space and time will be affected. By the destruction. And Jesus outlines two potential responses to these signs that are possible in the text. The first one is more implied. Those who fail to notice and ignore the signs when they appear will be subject to all these horrors and then some. They will be in distress and fear and will be caught out, surprised by what is coming. Nothing is stable, and nothing is safe. 
The second response is Jesus' instruction, of course, to us. Notice what is happening and respond to it in faith. Jesus says, stand up, look up, look for redemption, wait for it. By offering these exhortations, Jesus tells us that the signs are not simply to be noticed, and they're certainly not to be ignored. The only way to respond to such signs is to watch for them, to wait for them, ready to act when the redemption of God comes at last. If we do so, we can receive the end of death and suffering. A true redemption more than any of us can fully imagine. And in fact, those of us listening to this text now know that we see death's defeat twice. Once in Jesus' death and resurrection, and once in a time yet to come for us, when death itself will meet its end. It's crucial for us to notice that the signs Jesus describes and the parable that Jesus tells about the fig trees indicate that the signs are not easy to ignore. These signs will be clear. So clear, in fact, that it will be as obvious and easy to identify as the budding leaves on the tree. In our case, perhaps, it's like when the Milo is ruddy red in the fields and you know that it's nearly allergy season. Or when the pheasant hunters come to town dressed up in all their camo, and you know that we're shifting from the late fall to the start of winter. When the animals in your house get antsy and want to be outside, you know that spring is coming. Just like the turn of the seasons, the easy signals you know in your bones that no one had to teach you, so also will the signs of the Lord be obvious to those who are watching. Jesus also affirms that we can be confident that what he is saying is true, that these things will come to pass, and they will be identified for those who are watching. I think this affirmation should offer us a twofold hope. We cannot miss the signs if we are looking, which gives us the hope that our readiness and our vigilance will not go to waste. The signs will be clear, which gives us the hope that we don't have to decode some secret pattern, do any complicated Dan Brown-style math, or chart the exact position of the stars to know Jesus is coming. God is coming. These truths, these hopes, help us stay away from a too intense hypervigilance that eats away at us with our time and our energy. And it also helps us stay away from the conspiracy theory impulses to decode everything as a signal of God's coming, a signal of God's coming. God will make it clear, and our efforts to watch and wait will be rewarded. Neither obsession nor ignorance will help us, but watchful readiness will. Many of the concluding instructions in this text are focused on our own efforts to look for the signs. Jesus says repeatedly that we should keep watch, look up, stay alert, pay attention, in order that we might be ready when the signs come. It would be easy, Jesus acknowledges, to be caught up in everyday distractions, getting stuck on the small things, the things that we worry about, the challenges of our day. Don't let it get to you, he says. Don't be 
drawn away. Don't let it weigh on your heart. Stay awake and aware of the coming redemption. Be ready to see the signs and you can keep hope alive while you wait. As we reflected this week in Luke 21 about the signs of Jesus's second coming, and as we as a community take time in the next few weeks of Advent and then Christmas to think about what is coming, this text invites us to ask the question, what are the signs? What are the signs of Jesus's second coming from this chapter in Luke 21? What are the signs of Jesus's first coming as we approach the birth of Jesus and all that it means for us? What are the signs of Jesus's coming in your life? How do we show those signs to others? A core message of the incarnation of God who became a human and one that has particular impact for us is that of a God who promised at the get-go that God would come and be with humanity. And that promise came true in the story and life of Jesus Christ. And this means that when Jesus tells us that he will come again, we can trust that he will do what he has said. This Jesus who has come and is yet to come. If we look for the signs, if we remain ready for Jesus to come in our lives and in the world, then we will see them. Rather than a more metaphorical kind of end to our time together, I'm going to invite you to demonstrate a more physical application. So think about a pose for readiness. Some of you are more ready when you're sitting down. Maybe your shoes are sort of not stuck together, but angled, so you're ready to move. Uh, maybe your purse is slung over your shoulder, your coat in your hand. Maybe you're standing, ready to run. I invite you, if you are interested and able to rise or shuffle in your seat a bit so you're not quite sat so far back, and pose for a moment as we will repeat after me an affirmation for our day. So stand and pose for your readiness as you wish. I'm going to do a little running thing here. This is just going to be weird, so you're going to have to bear with me. So repeat after me. I will stay ready and watch. I will stay ready and watch for signs of God's coming redemption. For signs of God's coming redemption. Amen. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button, or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow Him.